Welcome to The Bible Never Said That. My name is Shara Donahue, and I want to say thank you for joining us as we continue on in our Half Truth series, as we explore a saying that the Bible teaches, but that many individuals take too far. Today, we are looking at a saying many of you who glory in your independence love to say, God is the only one I need. I get that some of you out there love to be like, it's just me and Jesus, and I'm good with that. But you're missing out on one of the great gifts of God, the family he has drawn you into. Yes, God's grace is sufficient for us. Yes, Philippians 4.19 clearly states, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? But see, these verses are saying God will meet your needs, not be the only one you need. To back this up, let's take a look at a quote from God. In Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God calls us into community and fellowship with others. When God provides Eve for Adam, he provides friendship, close family, and a co-worker to achieve what God has asked him to do. God will provide for our needs, but sometimes our need means God gives us another person. We do need to remember that God is the only one we need in terms of salvation. For only God directly can fulfill our greatest need. Humanity's paramount need is forgiveness. The gospel is the answer to the call for help that every human soul carries within them. Yet not every human soul will ask Because while there are plenty of people who say God is all they need, there are plenty more who say they only need themselves. It is impossible for us to earn salvation. We do not gain it in our own merit or from others. We have no capacity to cure the plague of sin upon us. But for those willing to believe in and reach for the rescue Christ offers, forgiveness awaits. God cares for us, and He is faithful to provide for His children. But there are a myriad of reasons why people might hold back from seeking God's aid. Maybe they are attempting in vain to mask their sin from an all-knowing God. Perhaps the weight of relentless pride presses in on their identity, and they refuse to admit that they need God. But for some, it is as simple as feeling their true inadequacy and unworthiness to ask God to provide the balm for their wound and the wellspring to satisfy their soul. The good news is that going to God is as simple as telling him our need in prayer. For those who don't know him yet, they can call out and he will answer. They just may not expect that the answer is him. The answer is God. He is the only one who can cleanse the stain of sin. For the believer, 
we can go to God for all our needs. In James 4, 2, we are told, you do not have because you do not ask. We are also encouraged to come to God with our needs in James 1, 5, where he tells believers, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Jesus also clearly said in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? That's Matthew 7, 7 through 11. The scriptures show that God's children should not be shy about seeking their heavenly father for support. We are designed to seek him. He wills that we engage in a relationship with him and see that he is waiting to provide all of what we need most. And as God's image bears, we are created for community to help and be helped, to love and be loved, it is a vulnerable position to need help. And in cultures that elevate independence over interdependence, the vulnerability required to communicate need can be difficult indeed. And despite our efforts to prove otherwise, there is only one person who does not need help. God, who is perfect, holy, and self-sufficient. Yet, The one true God chooses to exist in a Trinitarian community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And His help often looks like other people. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Personally, I didn't like this when I was younger. I touted my status as an independent woman. And when my husband and I started dating way back when, he didn't realize what a battle it would be. The struggle that confronted him, it came from me. I loved my independence and it seemed like folly to sacrifice it for a relationship. Even one that met all the essentials on my list. What really kept me from trusting him was that when I had given myself over before, it had crashed, burned, and wounded me. And after that, somewhere within, I made a vow. 
I would never give power or control over to anyone but God. God was the only one who could be trusted. Thankfully, God granted my husband the perseverance and tenacity to scale the walls I had built up around my life, and he called me out on my fear. If there was one thing I hated more than putting power in the hands of another human, it was living a fear-filled life. I would do neither. And that was where my two inner oaths collided. So after several God confrontations, I finally became determined to choose trust over fear. I made new vows. You know, the ones that sound like to have and to hold in sickness and health till death do us part. The first couple years had some great moments, but it was also rough. There were no major discernible problems, but there was a constant degree of marital pain that was frustrating to live in beyond the repeated correct way to load the dishwasher conversation or how grocery shopping should be done and other newlywed hurdles. I still had barriers up and I questioned if full vulnerability with my husband was wise, not because he did anything untrustworthy, but because of the others before him who had. We knew there must be something greater to the gift of marriage that God gives than what we had created during that first year. But that was what we had started to settle for. But we decided no more. We went to counseling. We sat with couples who were dealing with pain much deeper than our own. And we heard them say, if only we had gotten counseling when we were younger. This was key to the survival of our marriage. We looked for aid and experience offline not searching in the middle of the night, and outside of ourselves. We were told things we didn't want to hear, but we took it into consideration. We prayed for wisdom, and we stood resolute. And what I heard over and over was, you have to be more vulnerable. Honestly, I was not thrilled with this advice. I don't understand what these interdependence pushers wanted from me. But, you know, they were right. I had glorified independence to a point where it was destroying my closest relationships. I needed to allow myself to need him, not as a savior, but as a partner, as a friend. Letting him in allowed our relationship to thrive because it was no longer my relationship with my husband, but our relationship together. And hear me clearly. It's not just significant others that people do this with, but it happens also with friends or family. It happens with the church, the body of Christ. And I get that the church is still made up of sinners, but the church is supposed to be a gift. That does not excuse the pain people have caused within churches. We need to call out corruption. We need to make changes. We need repentance to faithfully represent Christ. But let's not give up on what God meant the church to be. Let's live so that it can become what God intended. Then when we recognize that God is what we need most, we can allow ourselves to risk needing others. How many times in life when we desperately need help, do we just sit in our pain, not saying a word? We convince ourselves that we can do life on our own and that those hopes we have longed for but cannot find must be too far out of reach. Could it be that when we cannot figure out how to ask for help, we instead surrender to the works that are created by our own efforts? When we need help, 
we ask God first, but we do not need to fear asking the community of God for aid. How we do this is simple. We kill our pride and we ask. But listen, I understand that that's easier said than done. What helps us get to the how of asking is developing an understanding and a theology of why asking for help is worth leaving our pride behind. Because, people, I know this is a hard truth, but we've got to face it. Surrey and Alexa cannot meet all your needs. There are three different types of help humanity typically seeks. The supernatural, hopefully from God, but people also seek it from angels, false gods, Satan, demons. The natural, fellow humans. And the artificial, technology. Think both computer and pencil. Though technology and its developments are brought forth by humans who are brought forth by God, our dependency on created things seems to perpetually increase. There are needs that our smartphones cannot meet. And while it does not feel inconvenient to ask a machine for help, no machine can save a soul. There is no deus ex machina, no God for the machine. Technology is not in and of itself a bad thing. It begins as a natural tool. It's the hands of those who use or abuse it that results trend towards good or evil. It can offer us ways to connect with others or take our focus away from human interaction. Students are giving up classrooms for virtual learning environments where they communicate through posts but never hear the voice or look into the eyes of their classmates. Supermarkets enable shoppers to speedily check themselves out. Even churches have more and more people attending virtually by watching sermons online. And all of this was multiplied when the pandemic hit. Technology's powerful draw stems from its indifference. It doesn't require much of us. It doesn't even care if we say thank you. The danger of our growing ability to call upon technology lies in that the more we draw near to convenience and creating our own individual kingdoms, the further away from God's intended kingdom community we become. Listen, asking for help furthers the story God tells through his children's lives. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 reminds us that God intends that we should help, rely on, and gather together. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Guess what makes doing the one another here and the many other places we find one another commands in the Bible impossible? Doing it independently. The command from Hebrews is clear that we are to intentionally engage in relationships of giving and receiving. Beyond commands, accepting help is a way we let others show their love for Christ. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. This does not mean we don't continue to do what we can on our own, but that when our own strength is not enough, we let the people of God come around so that we can all glorify our 
great God together. We carry each other's burdens and in doing so fulfill the law of Christ. There are times when God gives one of his children the exact ability to meet the need he knows another one of his children will have. This even happened with Jesus. Jesus could do all the things by himself, but God had a plan to involve others. Churches around the world celebrate Palm Sunday, a week before Easter, and it is always a wonder to see how planned out Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was. Matthew 21, 1-3 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. We are all part of the story God is telling. Perhaps we serve a role like the disciples who fetched the donkey, or we are like the owners who had the donkey on which Jesus would fulfill prophecy. Whatever our role, we are a part of this great story God is telling, and when we seek help, we see more and more of how God has woven his people into a family. We can have confidence that our asking is meant to be answered by God. It could be answered through the miraculous, or it could be answered through his redeemed people. Rightly seeing our own frailty and inadequacy helps tear down the looming barrier of false pride that hinders us from reaching out and seeing God move. When we truly need help, we can seek God for the strength needed to ask and simply appeal to another spirit-filled believer for help. Remember, we serve an awesome God who knows our needs and has every means available, including working through other people to satisfy those needs. And keep in mind that this isn't just about you. Others need you as well. So let's pray for those afraid to seek the help they need and thank God for giving us everything we need, including other people. Jesus, thank you for meeting our greatest need and forgiving our sins. We ask for those that do not know you, that their hearts would be softened to your call and help, and that they would turn to you and seek salvation. Help those of us who don't know how to ask for help learn to rely on others because they trust you. Give us the wisdom to know how to be vulnerable after we have been hurt, and yet to avoid making foolish choices on who we should trust. Thank you that your grace is enough and that from that grace you have given us others to walk with so that we need not feel alone. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The verses and article I used to help develop this podcast can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. Until next time. May you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. Thank you for joining us today. The verses, articles, and books referred to in this episode can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. And until next time. May you seek the abundant life 
Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.